Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. I believe this is the 50th ep- full-length episode of this podcast. Um, so let's make it extra special. I don't know. I have nothing. This is the Halloween special part three. Um, I'm just going to be talking about the movies that I've seen lately. I have... Well, I'll get to it. First off, I want to rant more about social media. Um, I've tried my best to wane myself off of social media, off of recent times, recent months, recent years. I just think social media is one of the worst things to ever to happen to humanity. Um, I really believe that. And um, I just... You know, I have my personal account. I have a bunch of accounts because over the years, I feel like I have my personal, which I like to make dark jokes. And it's like, well, if people if people in the general public saw these dark jokes, they wouldn't. I don't know. I, I feel concerned about the way people would perceive me. And, you know, that thing like don't care what other people think, but social media that's all you do is care what other people think. It's impossible to be on social media and to observe social media without caring what other people think. Um, but here I am like, oh, I need a personal. And then I started one for my drumming and that went okay for a while. And then that one, I can't even remember the the password for that. Um, so I couldn't get into that account if I wanted to. I have a bunch of Twitter accounts. And you might ask, why do you have all these accounts when you say you hate social media? Well, over the years, I've I've tried to... Because, unfortunately, this is the way people communicate. I mean, I went to a, a Zoom event thing. And towards the end of the event, someone said... Um, if you want to connect and they put the at symbol and they put at and then their name and this is the way people connect and contact each other, whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, this is the way it is. And so I, I acknowledge that I understand that, but I, I still hate it, still hate it. So recently I don't like this trend of people trying to dictate other people's social media. Like, the people are like um, attacking other people. Like, you're not using your social media for this cause, and your silence is deafening. I don't know what that means. That literally is impossible. How how can your silence be deafening? It's an oxymoron, and you sound like a moron. <laughs> um, I just, I hate that trend. And, you know, some, some people hate politics in general. Other people hate using their social media for politics. Other people hate seeing politics on social media. So I I hate that people assume that, oh, just because you're not actively condemning something on politics on social media, it means you're for it, which is absolutely not true. And some people don't want to use social media in that way. Um, 
and it doesn't mean you're for it doesn't mean you're against it some people just want to use it for their personal branding some people just want to post funny cat videos and i i hate when it comes to politics people are like if you're not oh if you're not oh i already said this but if you're not actively condemning it then you're for it you're you're just as bad as them that's not true and that it's I hate when I see people that I like, respect, admire, and they they act like a fool on social media, and it 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 really it it forces me to judge them unfairly. But I do, and it makes me it kind of makes me write them off. Like I don't want to associate associate myself with this asshole, even though on a professional side, like I may like that person, or I may respect that person, but. I mean, it's one thing I said, like, don't someone advised, like, don't post politics on social media because no one wins. And and I really believe that no one wins. Um, Also, I think posting politics on social media does absolutely nothing. Absolutely, abso- absolutely nothing. Um, and I think it's dangerous because people think that tweeting out a political tweet I think they think that accomplishes something, but it accomplishes nothing. That's my personal opinion, whatever. Um, okay, let's get away from that. I think we should get on to the movies. I have a handful of movies. I guess this is part three. This is the final chapter, the final chapter of the Halloween special 2022. Because, well... I've been enjoying watching horror movies, so I'll probably continue to watch horror movies after Halloween. And, I mean, you don't have to confine horror movies to Halloween time, Halloween spooky season. I think most people don't. And should I up the gain on this a little bit? Up the gain on this a little bit. Um, I, but I, I've been enjoying it. So let's just get started. Let's just got started. Up first is Donnie Dark Ho. Um, where is it? I can't find it. I already lost it. Donnie Dark Ho. I so the first time I heard about this movie was in college years in my life, and I was introduced to a girl online. And I think what me trying to um start conversation was like what's your favorite movie and she was like Donnie Darko and I was like I've never heard of it and I looked into it and immediately I'm like oh this girl's trying to be cool by saying a, a weird movie that I've never heard of and that no one's ever heard of da, da, da. so that was my first impression of Donnie Darko I watched it back then didn't really like it Watched it a few days ago. Didn't really like it. I don't know why. I, I really can't explain it. Um, I listened to Pat Walsh talk about this movie on We'll See You in Hell. And he dotes on it quite a bit. He loves the movie. Whatever this movie is trying to say, I cannot hear it. I'm not listening. I don't... I don't... I don't get it. Like I start watching it and immediately I feel like the movie is weird and I never get away from that. Um, I just, you know, the one of my favorite lines in the movie is when 
Jenna Malone asks him, um, what kind of name is Donnie Darko or something? You sound like a, it sounds like a superhero. And he says, what makes you think I'm not? And I, that's a cool line. I think I always think that's an interesting line. Um, let me Richard Kelly, who I am not familiar with. He, um, wrote and directed this movie. He also did Southland Tales that I, I know nothing about, and they've talked about it on We'll See You in Hell. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. Um, and I don't know any of these other movies in his um, filmography. Um, he directed The Box. Um, he something called the night of the prodigies uh, that's coming up in 2024 let's look at the cast in this thing uh, jake gyllenhaal i like as a rule i've liked him in plenty of things nightcrawler uh, i'm not joking when i say i liked him in bubble boy i thought he was funny and he committed to the part and I like when he comes out of the bubble and he uh, I believe it's Marley Shelton and he says I'd rather spend one moment with you than a lifetime without or whatever. I thought that was pretty sweet. I liked him I think I mentioned Nightcrawler um Prisoners. I've liked him in a billion things before. I did not really like him in Spider-Man Far Far From Home. I didn't really like that character Mysterio. He was going way, way over the top. It was just kind of weird. Um, Jenna Malone, I'm kind of indifferent to, but I liked her in this performance, and I liked her in um, the Hunger Games movies. Maggie Gyllenhaal playing the sister. Always kind of weird when it's brother-sister playing brother-sister. James Duvall. James Duvall. Um... Drew Barrymore, she's fine. Mary McDonald, Catherine Roth, Patrick Swayze playing a pedophile. Noah Weil. Um, Weil or Wiley? It just, I don't know. This movie, it just felt weird to me. And I usually love time travel movies. So... Kelly cites Christopher Nolan and his wife Emma Thomas as instrumental in securing a theatrical release. I I don't know. I'm trying to think about the movie and it's it's making my head hurt, but immediately the movie starts and it's weird. Jake Gyllenhaal is also playing a character, a high school student who has mental issues and I have mental issues. I have mental and emotional issues i have depression and anxiety and i I'm, but this is a, a different take uh, it's a different thing that i've ever experienced i've never been suggested hypnotism for me um i've never thought about uh, burning buildings or or harming anyone so this i feel like it's a different thing and he keeps cackling so it's like I don't know. I just think the movie is weird. Um, and, and, you know, I get the message where 
because he meets Jenna Malone, they start going together and then she ends up dying in an accident. So he decides to go back in time and die himself so that he never meets her. So he by by killing himself, he saves the girl. I get that. It's kind of sweet. And um, I, I don't understand like, so they keep repeating like, how do you how do you do the time machine? Well, you need a big craft, or probably a metal spacecraft. So how how is he in any way able to control the plane that his mom and his sister are on? I don't understand that. There are so many things I don't understand. I don't understand the little portals coming out of people's chests, going in different directions. I, I this this second time I've seen it, I believe. And uh, it's just, it just doesn't, I, I just can't access it for some reason. Um, I may watch it again. I am possibly open to watching it again. There was one conversation between him and his therapist. I I can't even remember the conversation they had, but something about he's like, I feel so alone. I don't want to feel alone anymore. That was kind of getting to me a little bit, but... I might have to rewatch it again, but for now, I it's not for me, unfortunately. I watched that on HBO Max. Next up, a movie I've heard about. I've heard the title a billion times. I've never watched it. Never knew what it was about. Deliverance. I watched this on Netflix. Deliverance is a 1972 American survival thriller film produced and directed by John Boorman. Starring John Voight, Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, Ronnie Cox. Ned Beatty and Ronnie Cox making their fil- feature film debuts. Um, I like this movie. Obviously, if you're familiar with Deliverance, there is a disturbing scene that I had no idea was in this movie I was not prepared for um it's brutal it's disturbing it's it's nuts um but the gist of deliverance is these four guys I believe they're all four businessmen and they want to get away from their lives for a bit and they want to go on a canoeing a canoe trip down a river and they get entangled with these backwater woodsmen and uh, it turns into a survival thriller film i like the movie a lot um you know burt reynolds is playing playing a guy with a bunch of uh, a lot of bravado i would say and he's like the de facto leader of the group because he is an outdoorsman and the other three are not but they enjoy the outdoor they enjoy the outdoors they're just not you know outdoorsmen and you know i like the juxtaposition of you know at the beginning of this movie there are four guys who want to go on a canoe trip and by the end they are spoiler alert three to four guys um, paddling in a canoe, canoe for their lives. Um, John Voight, he turns up 
he turns into the main character of the film. And his arc is the most interesting because at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of helpless. So he, at one point, he goes off into the woods on his own with a bow and arrow. He tries to shoot at a deer, but he can't do it. He hesitates, his his arms are shaking, and he can't do it. Probably because he's too afraid to take the life of a living creature. And then he kind of stumbles and he trips and he's like, God damn it. So he's kind of depicted as helpless in the beginning of the movie. And then by the end, (laughs) he has to survive. So he ends up shooting, spoiler alert, a man with a bow and arrow, killing him. Um... And he ends up becoming kind of the leader. And then Burt Reynolds ends up breaking his leg. And he there's a definite role reversal between the two of them. And he's kind of helpless. And he's like, whatever you want to do, John Voight, I'll, go, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you want. And um, I'll just go ahead and say, uh, Ned Beatty, the character, Bobby, is brutally sodomized, raped by a woodsman. And there is a, he tells him to squeal like a pig, squeal like a pig. Um, and it's brutal. And w- one thing that, that keeps, that sticks in my mind, um, <laughs> and it makes me laugh in kind of a morbid way, but after Ned, after Bobby is brutally raped, there's the scene where the four of them, are kind of talking about what they they're going to do next. And you know, obviously, well, Burt Reynolds ends up shooting a a guy in defense with a bow and arrow and kills him. So they're all worried and concerned and they're like, "We just you just killed a man. What are we going to do?" And they're all worried. And Bobby is standing there with his hands casually in his khaki pants. And I'm like, I don't know. He's he just feels a little too casual after have been, after being, uh, brutally raped, moments before this scene. And it just, I just, I keep picturing him casually standing there with his hands in his pockets. And I'm like, if I was brutally raped in the woods, I would be like, distraught, beside myself, kind of crying, screaming. Um, nervous, afraid, anxious, um, can't keep still, prob- maybe arms crossed, trying to just close myself to become as small as possible. That's just my opinion. And the re- the only reason I can come up with is they didn't want the focus of the movie to solely be on him. It w- they wanted it to be on the four of these guys and how they're going to proceed and the story arc of John Voight. That's the only thing I can think of why that would be but you know i can't i can't stop thinking about ned Beatty putting his hands in his pockets like hey what's up guys what what's up next what's for lunch um the movie is good well done john voight steal well he's the star but he steals the movie with his arc and his acting chops um that's all i got ned Beatty dead burt reynolds dead John Voight and Ronnie Cox old. That's all I got to say about that. Um, next up is one of the scariest horror movies I've ever seen. 
Love Hard, starring Nino Debrev, Nina Debrev, and Jimmy O Yang. Um, so my wife put this on, started watching it on Netflix, and we weren't planning on watching it. She just kind of put it on, and I gotta say, this movie sucked, synced, pardon me, synced its teeth into me pretty quickly. Um, uh, if this is your first episode listening to the show, I, I will briefly say I have a weird soft spot for romantic comedies. Um, uh, sometimes the dumber they are, the more I like them. Um, and I don't think this is a dumb romantic comedy. I, romantic comedies have been... You know, it's the same thing with horror movies. You know that movie, um, Cabin in the Woods, where horror movies have become so formulaic that the Cabin in the Woods turned it into, like, turned it on its side. And it's the same thing with romantic comedies. I'm, I'm assuming it's the same thing for a lot of genres where the formula has been done so many times. And, like, if I were to tell you that they're working on a romantic comedy starring Amy Schumer and The Rock, and it's coming out in 2024. That's all all the information you need to know, and you can already... You already know how the story's going to turn out. You know, um, The Rock's going to play some nerd, and it's going to be, like, in the future, and Amy Schumer plays... uh, She's an employee at the company that specializes in nerd reversing... And she's like, I'm going to be your nerd reversing consultant today. And, you know, um, uh, conflict ensues. And then by the end, they fall for each other. Like, that's the formula. And it's been done over and over and over again. So this movie doesn't reinvent any sort of wheel at all. The formula is done. The formula is set. So what the romantic comedy, the job of the romantic comedy now, all you have to do is work on the co- the chemistry between the two leads. Maybe throw in some ridiculous set pieces in there. And then the strength of the peripheral characters. Um, and this movie does it well, in my opinion. First of all, I've, I've been aware of... Nina Debrev for years, mostly from Googling her image, because I've never seen her act before. And Jimmy O. Yang, I've seen like the thumbnail for his Netflix special, but I've never clicked on it. I've never seen him speak. And I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I am a Filipino American underachiever. And whenever I see a an Asian, like I, I wish I could be like supportive right away. I'm not. That's not really me. I'm usually like, what's this? What's this fellow Asian up to? What's this chump? I'm supposed to be impressed by this chump. Uh, there, I don't know if there's a certain competition. I immediately feel like I'm supposed to be in chap impressed by Jimmy O Yang. Who's he? Um, so th- that's the reason why I don't click on his Netflix special right away. But after watching this movie, I I am a fan of him in general. I really liked his performance and his character. 
and I really like Nina Dobreve as well. For um, she's beautiful. Let's get let's get past it quickly. Um, and I like the chemistry between the two of them, and the gist of it is Nina Dobrev. Her character Natalie is. She's had a bunch of bad experiences with relationships in the past. She tries an online app. So she finds this guy across the country and she has a lot of chemistry and she likes him a lot. And he says, man, I wish I could spend Christmas with you. So she tries this crazy thing and she goes over to his place and realizes that she's been talking to him, uh, Josh, but the picture that he used was a different picture. So he's not who she expected you could say and I liked their chemistry uh, both of them well Nina Dobrev commits to the role and I don't know I liked her a lot in this movie and I like Jimmy O. Yang um, let's look at the cast Darren Barnett looks familiar but I, I can't pinpoint where I've seen him before Harry Shum Jr. I thought was, um, I thought he was very funny in this movie. He plays Josh or Jimmy O Yang's brother Owen in the movie, and they're constantly trying to one up one up each other. And he he's a show off, and the scene where he's like dancing and singing over the top Christmas caroling was really making me laugh. Um, I like the movie. Michaela Hoover, who I remember from like she was in like Guardians of the Galaxy in a non-speaking role. <laughs> Nova Prime's assistant says Wikipedia, and. You know, this movie hits all of the romantic comedy formula beats, and I I don't care. You either accept that or you don't, and I fully accept the formula. And I liked it. It was very pleasant. You know, in recent years, I always cite Moonshot as one of my favorite romantic comedies. And this one is probably second place. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sure most people would say, yeah, it's a dumbass, terrible uh, romantic comedy. I liked it a lot. Um, like, are you laughing? Are you enjoying throughout? That's that's all you really want to ask with a, rom- with a rom-com. And I enjoyed it. I liked it. And I, I feel like, I told my brother, like, I could probably watch this again tomorrow. And he's like, oh, yeah, he agreed. Next up is Magic, 1978-1978, American psychological horror film starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith. Um, I like this movie. I thought it was good. Uh, I believe Pat and Joe from We'll See You in Hell described this movie as a masterpiece. You know... Something that I can't, I couldn't um, get past is I feel like Anthony Hopkins was a little bit 
miscast. And I'm sure most people would disagree with me because I believe his performance is cited as, as one of the great performances. And he is great. He's great in this movie. And Anne Margaret is great in this movie. Burgess Meredith is great in this movie. But I can't help but feel like I wish there was more of a duality with the character of Corky. Because his opening scene, he's he well maybe it's my own maybe it's you know my own thing because I know that Anthony Hopkins plays um Silence of the Lambs. What's the what's the character's name? Just give it to me. Just give it to me. Silence of the Lambs. Um Oh god. Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. I wonder if my chair has been squeaking this whole time into this mic. Um so immediately I felt like he was a creepy dude. And he plays the the weirded out, creepy, um anxious, nerve-ridden side of Corky very well but I feel like there isn't enough of the of the other side and I like I'm not I know people love John Mulaney I haven't really watched much of his stuff but I'm not I'm not a big fan at least of what I've seen I know that's blasphemy but it is what it is I'm sure I just haven't seen the right stuff yet. But if you could imagine, like, the one side, a happy, a happy-go-lucky side of this Corky character, where he's like normal and happy, and and then there's this other side, which is played by Anthony Hopkins really well, like nervous and crazy. And I feel like I wish there was a duality in this role. And I feel like he's just a hundred, a hundred and ten percent creepy the whole time. There's that scene where he's he's with Anne Margaret, and that he's trying to guess what card that he's what she that she picks, right? And and he's like he's like yelling at her and I'm like this is really uncomfortable and she says in the movie I'm scared what if this doesn't go right and and like after he guesses the right card then sorry about the chair um then like I guess she becomes enamored with him and they make love and I'm like I I really didn't understand that scene because she was uncomfortable, she was scared, she was nervous, and I feel like she should have left after that scene, but instead she like falls in love with him in that scene and they end up making love. I don't know, the performances were really great and Margaret's very charming in this role and I liked it. I just wish I couldn't help but wish that there was more of a duality in Corky. And Anthony Hopkins just plays too much of a creep. I wish there was a a happy side and a creep side. Um, But uh, you should check it out. There's 
you know, there is a, a section on the Wikipedia page that lists um, madness resulting from one li person living two personas through a ventriloquist's dummy has been portrayed several times before in film and television, most notably. And the most recent citation here is The Puppet Show, a 1997 episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I think it's worth checking out, but I already said my piece. Um, I'm at the 32-minute mark, and I have two movies to go. So, here we go. I was browsing through Prime Video, and I briefly saw that My Bloody Valentine 3D was set to leave Prime Video on October 31st. I had never seen it. So I decided to watch it. I kind of throw it on and may, I, I was like, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. And I watched the whole thing. It's not great. I'll say that right off the bat. Um, the film grossed $100.7 worldwide on a budget of $14 million and received mixed positive reviews from critics who praised its performances and production values, but some crit. Some critics found it to be formulaic and generic, criticizing its screenplay, the wooden characters, and the 3D technology. Um, Jensen Ackles, I think it's the first time I've seen him act. I know him from Supernatural. I've never seen an episode. And recently, I heard him in Batman The Long Halloween, and I... I liked him in the role, but that's kind of his typecast, you know, um, kind of stiff, cold, stoic main characters with a, mis a mystery, a mystery about them. Um, Jamie King, who's beautiful, let's get past it real quick, she's beautiful, and um, I've probably seen her in a few things. I didn't think she was great in this movie, but she was fine. Kerr Smith, who played an adequate, more than adequate douche in this movie, and I remember him most from Dawson's Creek. I believe he made out with Joey Potter once or twice and then became gay. Um, where's he been? Let's see, where's Kerr Smith been? Um... His last movie, according to the Wikipedia, is Where Hope Grows from 2014. Um, and in television, he was a recurring role as a principal in Riverdale. And he was in Into the Dark 2019 playing Shane. He he plays a lot of generic white boy names, I guess, because in Into the Dark he played Shane, and into in this movie he plays Axel. Um, Megan Boone, who I didn't recognize, but she was in the Blacklist. One of the 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 few episodes I saw, I, I thought were terrible, just terrible. Um. There is a so the the gist of this movie 
I feel like the plot was kind of convoluted, a lot of inserted details that I was not paying attention to, but the gist of it was there was a a guy a, a lone survivor. They they do this they say a lot of the plot through like fake news bulletins and news reports scrolling through the opening credits. So there was a mining disaster and one guy was the sole survivor, but the rumors are that he killed everyone so that he could take in all the oxygen. Um, and then he ends up going crazy and killing a bunch of kids, I think. And then, and then it jumps 10 years later and everyone looks exactly, exactly, exactly the same. And... Everyone says, um, Harry is dead. I shot him. Um, Tom Atkins is in this movie who I recognized from Halloween 3 season of The Witch. And he's like, I shot him dead myself. Harry's dead. There's no way he could have survived that. And, but everyone else is like, no, I saw him. Even though he's wearing a mask. He's fully clothed and covered in like a mining suit and he has a mining mask. There is a lengthy sequence in this movie in which Irene, played by Betsy Rue, who I'm not familiar with, but she is a retired American actress active from 2006 to 2016. Um, she is completely naked and she is walking around naked running around naked with a gun she's just absolutely naked for I will guess to be generous a full three and a half minutes of the movie now keep in mind when you when most nude scenes most actual nude scenes are a few seconds long like you see the boobs at a weird angle for three seconds and that's it and then the rest is implied nudity this girl is completely nude for i'm guessing three and a half minutes perhaps longer maybe that's a way short estimation it could be well more than five minutes of the movie it was kind of wild but interesting if you're into that sort of thing and you know, I didn't hate this movie, but it was not great. It was kind of bad. Um, I will say I respected, you know, towards the end of the movie, I did not know who the killer was. And I liked the misdirections it gave. Like at one point, Kevin Teague Hay. Um, at one point, I thought it might have been this old guy, Ben Foley, because um, Tom Hanniger was like, where were you? And Ben was like, I was over at Tunnel 3. And like, you think it's him? And But then, at the same time, the way the audience members see it, you see Tom Hanniger trapped inside of the cage, and you see a character killing another character. So, you know, it doesn't do a great job at the misdirection. Sometimes it's like 
okay, well, you forced the audience to think that way. But it did an okay job. Like, I'm kind of going back and forth. Like, I didn't know who it was. And I think as an audience member, I wanted... I wanted Kerr Smith to be the bad guy because he's a douche and he's cheating on his hot wife, Jamie King with hot girl, Megan Boone. And you, you kind of want You're kind of rooting for Jensen Ackles. You kind of want him to be the good guy. Uh, I may have spoiled the movie right then, but I won't go any further. The movie is not great. It was okay. Um, I can't recommend it. I didn't think it was um, great. I didn't think it was good. Um, kind of less than average generic slasher movie. That's how I will describe it. Uh, Jamie King and Megan Boone are hot. Next, um, I will... The final chapter in this final chapter of the Halloween special 2022. I rewatched this yesterday and today. I kind of split it up. I kept pausing this movie because it, it's kind of hard to watch, to be honest. Hereditary. My brother mentioned that he recently watched it. And in, an, in a desperate attempt to get into the Halloween spirit... I told my brother, maybe I'll rewatch it. That really freaked me out the first time. Maybe I'll rewatch it. And I did. My brother, uh, spoiler alert for Hereditary. My brother said after the girl, little girl loses her head, he's like, I don't know if I can keep going with this. And I'm like, you can keep going with it. Um, so the first time, I, I this is the second time I've watched it. First time I watched it, I watched it until the girl loses her head. And then I'm like, this is really intense, really good. I decided to stop, start over, and watch it with my wife. <sighs> Perdon me. Um, I like this movie a lot. Both viewings, I liked it a lot. Um... It holds up. I thought this movie was from 2015, maybe 2016. It's from 2018. I don't know if there's any implications with that, that I thought it was older than it was. It's a 2018 American psychological horror film written and directed by Ari Aster in his feature directorial debut. It stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne as the members of a family haunted by a mysterious presence after the death of their secretive grandmother. Um, if you haven't seen Hereditary, go watch it. Is it creepy? Yes. Is it well done? It's very well done. Tony Collette should have won all of the awards. I don't know if she won any. Um, let's quickly go through this. Um, Tony Collette was nominated for an AA. She was nominated for Best Actor, AACTA International Award, Alliance of Wil Women Film Journalists Award. She won Best Actress for at the Chicago Film Critics Association 
Awards, nominated for Critics' Choice Movie Awards. She won Detroit Film Critics Society Award. She won Fangoria Chainsaw Award. She won Gotham Award, nominated for a in this Independent Spirit Award. Runner-up for the L.A. Film Critics Association. She won a St. Louis Gateway Film Critics Association. She was nominated for the Washington, D.C. Area Film Critics Association. So she was not nominated for an Academy Award, which is a shame. Um, let's see. I cannot see it. I cannot... I guess this I guess this movie was not nominated for any Academy Award, which is nuts. Um she should have won the Academy Award for this. Um she was not nominated. The movie is about the movie opens with the the death of the grandmother of this household. Um, Tony Collette's mother and she's kind of struggling she's like should I be sadder and she had a strained relationship with her mom her mom was very secretive and it kind of goes from there and then at a at about a 27 minute mark in the movie the brother goes to a party, takes the sister, he gets super high, and the sister eats some chocolate cake with nuts. She's allergic to nuts. So he needs to rush to a hospital, but he's high out of his mind. So he ends up, she sticks her head out the window. He swerves to avoid a dead animal in the road, and she ends up de. He's going so fast that she ends up decapitating this little sister. It's crazy. It's nuts. And so the family dynamic strains even more. And she there's tension between her and her husband. Tension between her and the son, obviously. And then this character played by... The perhaps the worst character in The Handmaid's Tale, um, Anne Dowd, great actress. Um, she she kind of dupes Tony Collette, and she's like, oh, I, she like consoles her and tries to get up in her life, and then like. I met a spiritual medium and she's telling her to do all this stuff. It's a downward spiral. It's a downward spiral. And I think the movie's really well done. As soon as I started the movie, I feel like there's an evil emanating from this movie. That's just how I feel. Also, I looked up the person who made the music and it's a guy named Colin Stetson who I am not familiar with. He is a Canadian American saxophonist, multi-readist and composer based in Montreal. He is best known as a regular collaborator of the indie rock acts Arcade Fire, Bon Iver, Bell Orchestra and XI. Um and I really 
I really like the score. And, you know, Pat Walsh once said he liked the score to Alien... What's... Uh, what is the title of the movie? Alien Covenant. He said he really liked the movie, the score to Alien Covenant, and he said, but folks, if I'm noticing the score, you can probably tell that the movie was not great. And that might be true for some movies, but that does not apply here. I think the score was really good, and the movie was really good. Um, also, I want to note that I was, <laughs> I was bummed that after the scene after the movie ends it plays um from from both sides now by Joni Mitchell i'm i'm assuming that it's her version but i i always associate like i associated that song with coda because that's the song that the main character sings at her audition for Berkeley, I think. And I really like her version in that. So, and it's a pleasant scene and it's a happy movie. It's a good coming of age movie with a happy ending. And now I can't help, but I'm going to have to insert, like this movie came first. Now I have to associate both sides now with... Um, a woman floating in an attic, uh, sawing her head off, uh, decapitations, um, little girls and decapitated heads and with ants crawling all over them. I'm going to have to associate both sides now with that. But hopefully when I hear the song, I will still continue to think of Coda. But... I think this is a heck of a directorial debut by Ari Aster. I did watch um, his short movie, which is very, very disturbing. The strange thing about the Johnsons. Um, this guy is just... Uh, I don't I don't know. Maybe he's super normal and he's just very good at what he does. Or maybe, maybe it's going to come out. He's like <laughs> a freak. Uh, I don't know. He is younger than me. That's always fun to find out. Um, I think it's a really good movie. You know, it's it's very uncomfortable, and you you feel the desperation in Tony Collette's character in her voice so much. It's so uncomfortable. I had to pause it a few times. I'm like. Like, when she's so desperate to get the family together in the living room, it's like, our fingers have to touch. Come on, come on, please, please, please. And you can feel the desperation and the uncomfortableness in the room, in her voice, and it's really well done. Millie Shapiro, like, she was a really good actress, and or she is a really good actress. I don't... Um, I've only seen her in this. And... She just, like, her facial expressions, she doesn't say a lot, but she fit the part really well, and she did a really good job. Um, Alex Wolf, I first noticed from Patriots, The Patriots Day. I thought he was really good in that. 
I feel like he should for some reason I I always associate I always think of him like he would be a good Aladdin um he's American so I don't um I don't know if you know he would be allowed to play Aladdin but I always thought that and I didn't think the live action Aladdin was that great of an actor so I I kind of wish that Alex Wolf could take his turn I I don't know why I associated with him Aladdin maybe that's racist in and of itself but then I, I see him things like oh he's in Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle and then when I watched it he didn't even play one of the fun parts he plays the part in the beginning and then he gets sucked into the game and then he's he dis his actual acting is is gone for 90% of the movie so like I hope I thought he was really good in this movie as well I'm glad to see he is in Oppenheimer, which is Christopher Nolan's next movie. Um, he's kind of late in the billing. Yeah, he's not one of the mains. But he was in Old, which I haven't seen yet. He was in Pig, which I haven't seen yet. Um, I like him. I like his acting chops. I like his presence. So I hope he does more with his career. Um... Ari Aster, I liked Midsummer. I'm I'm tempted to get that director's cut of Midsummer. It's like forty two bucks. I don't know if I want to bite the bullet on that. I feel like I I might never watch it. Um. But I really like Hereditary. If you haven't seen it, go see it. And it's it's the only movie so far that creeped me out and I think that's what I need to do to get into the Holly ha- Halloween spirit I need to watch movies that freak me out so maybe I'll rewatch Conjuring 1 or something um, I'm recording this on October 28th Friday and this will come out on Monday on Halloween so happy Halloween stay safe please uh, stay away from rapists and pedophiles. And I understand if that would be difficult if they are members of your family. Um, I hope you are well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Um, I hope your pets are well and thriving and healthy. Take care of each other and um, don't abandon your friends to the wolves. Um, that's all I got. I don't know what's up next on the roster in terms of what movies. I I believe in terms of video game movies, Resident Evil is next, but I hope you're well. Happy, happy Halloween. Happy holidays. Uh, Take care. Thank you for listening and say hi to your pets for me.